Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Grab your Bibles, okay, open them to, uh, to two places. The first place is Matthew chapter 9, okay, starting with verse 35. And then put your finger there, Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 35. And then just kind of flip to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, starting with verse 30. This is a real simple word that I have on my heart uh, today. Um, I, I will tell you this as you're flipping there. Let, let, let me tell you where we're going a little bit. If, uh, on Palm Sunday, I kind of shared a little bit of direction on how we're going to be preaching but um, um, the next week we're starting a series called Kingdom Family, and it's going to be a series where we're talking about what is the kingdom and what is the family in the context of the kingdom, what is the church in the context of the kingdom, what is marriage in the context of the kingdom, what, what is parenting, what, is, uh, what, what are sons and daughters. Uh, and so we're going to start with what I hope to be a very good foundation on what, what, how God sees family. Okay, and the context of his kingdom. Um, And God is not polling. Uh, He's not taking opinion polls. He has started something beautiful. For some reason, the world is trying to counteract the the glory. All right. And uh, and I think that it's time to get the family back, Uh, but both in the church, but especially in homes. Like sometimes we uh, our our homes are the place where we feel least like family. Right? And so I think God is going to, here's what, here's what I think God's going to be doing in this, in this Kingdom Family series starting next week, is going to be restoring marriages. I think marriages that you're down to, the, to your, your last thread of hope that you guys can make it. I think that God's going to be restoring marriages here. That God's going to help you see your spouse, spouse with, with love and hope again. I think God's going to be teaching us how to be uh, parents and to actually see our sons and daughters. And to be parenting them with love instead of fear. I think that that moralism has swept through the church and we use fear to control people instead of love to transform people. And I just, I I don't even think we know the difference between the two. And uh, so, man, like, you know, lots of times we call parents good when they keep their kids under control. Uh, Man, but that could just be a a fear-laden home. All right. All right. So man, and fear doesn't change people, shame doesn't change people, guilt doesn't change people. We use all of those things in a worldly, worldly way to control people, but that is not kingdom, okay? So uh, we're gonna be, the kingdom family is going, we're gonna go after the family, we're gonna go after really hard, and then that's gonna lead into uh, multiple other teachings. We're gonna be doing a series called Sex and Church uh, because we need to talk about sex and church. It's too important not to, it's too important to God not to, and it's too messed up in this culture not to, all right? So we have to do that. So we're gonna be doing that, and we're probably, we're gonna preach right through the book of uh, Philemon. If you've never read Philemon, it's the, it's the second shortest book in the uh, um, in the New Testament, but it, in the entire Bible, really. But uh, Philemon is like a love triangle between the Apostle Paul and a guy named Anesiphorus and another guy named Philemon. And so it's just like this crazy, this crazy thing. And it's, it really shows us how to work on relationship in impossible situations. All right. So those are all kinds of things that are happening. So I want you to prepare your hearts uh, for those things. Those things are coming. Are we, are we uh, awake today? We good? Because I, I felt like I was just laying it down. I felt like, man, that's some good, that's some, that's some hope-filled futuring there. But uh, yeah, so we, we will get it. I know that it, it makes us squirm when we talk about family not according to the world and not according to you. I, I, I really don't care what you think about family. 
All right, maybe you run your, your, your home in a militant kind of way. Man, I, I hope God lays you out and messes you up in really big ways so you lead with love, all right? I really don't care about making friends on this series. I care about family being what Jesus dreamed, okay? So we're gonna go, it's gonna be kingdom family. We're gonna be doing that. Then sex and church, and you're not gonna wanna miss that. Uh, and, uh, and I am prepared to lose all of my friends again over this one, all right? I'm not joking, all right? I know what it's like to lose all my friends and then to make new ones and lose them again. I know what that's like, but uh, I am not called to be popular. I'm called to be a pastor, all right? So we have to talk about these things. So, all right. Well, uh, I do want to say this too, that I can't encourage you enough to next weekend get to the, the Revival Parenting Workshop. It's going to be Friday night and it's going to be uh, all day Saturday. Some precious people, Jake and Julia Kent, are going to be leading that. Are you guys here? Can you all just stand up just for a second? Let's love on them. All right. Good. And so there are details, just be looking for those. And, uh, and those two are, man, such wonderful parents. And no matter, they've got younger children, but they're gonna be laying down um, biblical foundations, I think. So even if your kids are in their 20s, Okay, I think that you're going to be able to glean things from them that's going to be good for your hearts. All right, so lots of things there. Have you found the book of Matthew yet? Have you? Was that enough time or did I distract you with my awesome words? Any, anybody? No? Okay. Today, I want to, uh, I want to kind of launch and just to a thought today in about 20 minutes. We'll see how we do here. Uh, from Matthew and from Mark, um, I want to launch into a, a thought today and in between this series, just a word for this moment, all right? Uh, and, and the word for this moment, this morning, is compassion, okay? Just want you to think about that word for a second. Um, it's not a word that we think of a whole lot. It's not a word that we use much. Um, there's many great definitions of, of compassion, but uh, uh, Webster says sympathy for others' distress or suffering with a desire to actually do something, all right? I think that's getting close to what uh, compassion is. But compassion is, is something that, that Jesus operated in more than we do. And it's, it's, it, compassion is, is a word for the hour, okay? Let me get to the problem here for a moment. It's because when Jesus sees crowds and people that want stuff from him and people that are ruining his plans, what the Bible says is his heart gets filled with compassion, all right? When the father sees the son that wanted him dead, the prodigal son. The, son. the son's like, give me all your money. I wish you were dead. He goes off and he does his thing. When the father sees the son that wanted him dead, who just squandered half of his wealth, when the father sees the son, guess what fills the father's heart? It's compassion. When we look at people today, and we have the ability to look at people in, in, the, in the bunches today, because there's this thing called social media. And there's, there's new platforms coming out, it seems like, every week, all right? But new ways to look on people and what they're doing and where they're at and how they're thinking and how they're feeling and their opinions and their stuff and what they're selling and everything else. And when we look at people, here's what I'm starting to feel very, very uncomfortable with in my own heart sometimes, so I'm throwing myself in here. But in the church, as I don't feel like the, the, the compassion of the Father is filling the hearts of sons and daughters, I feel like frustration, annoyance, just, a, just a, a general sense of being PO'd, just like, just angry, anger is filling the hearts of people when we look on people that are messed up. Can I remind you that people are messed up, even with Jesus, 
all right? But can I remind you again that we cannot, as the church, as the blood-bought sons and daughters, we cannot expect people who don't know Jesus to live for Jesus. Yet we look at the world that, that is, seems like it's messing everything up and messing our definition of what government should be and our de definition about what this should be and that. They're messing everything. We're looking at people saying, they're messing it up on our watch. We gotta do something. And what's, what's happening is it's producing a, 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 a force in the church where, we, where the wind in our sails, so to speak, what is surging us into our future is frustration and anger and, and ugh, just like a, a sense of angst instead of compassion. Nowhere in the Bible do we ever see Jesus moving into the future because he's angry at people. But man, it happens in the church. It's like, we've got to do something. We've got to, and we, you get all these people and, and you, there's, there's terminology that you can wrap this in. But what's filling the hearts of people is frustration. Man, I, I, I've, never, I've never seen a day where Christians can judge the world more severely than now. And just because, let me tell you this, just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you share your opinion. All right? Just because you have the ability to share doesn't mean you do. All right? We, we have to be called out of this, of this nonsense. We have to be light shining in darkness. We can't beat darkness with more darkness. All right? I think what light looks like in a, in a dark day is, is people who actually uh, are operating in compassion. And here's this. I want to share you two, uh, with you two places in the scriptures where Jesus operates in compassion. And man, is it beautiful. Did I tell you to turn to Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 35? All right. Well, let's, let's go there. And then did I tell you to put your finger in Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 30? Did, did I tell you those things? Oh, good. Um, so, so here's we go. Let me, let me just read both of these passages. They're both very similar, but let's start here. Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 35. And Jesus went out Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's important. Not just the gospel of our salvation, but the gospel of the kingdom. All right? The gospel of the kingdom and healing. Listen to this. Healing every disease and every affliction. Look at verse 36. This is very important. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig around in this for a second, but I think I, I just want to make one point on here. We, we quote often verse 37, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest field. But the force behind that or, or the motivation behind that or the, the energy behind that is actually uh, the, the, you know, that, that creates that prayer is a heart full of compassion when it looks on crowds, okay? So Jesus is seeing crowds that are shepherdless, that are harassed, and that are helpless. And that is what fuels him to pray to the Father, Father, send out workers. My compassion for these people, they need shepherds, all right? So the, very, very important. If you, if you flip to, I didn't ask you to flip here, but if you flip to Matthew chapter 14, something very similar happens here right after the death of John the Baptist when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And you see the same thing that Jesus feeds the 5,000 because he has compassion on the crowds. He doesn't just send them away to go buy tacos on their own, all right? All right, he, he, says, he says to his disciples, you feed them. 
He takes responsibility. This is what compassion does. Compassion doesn't pat someone on the back and say, man, I'm I'm so sorry, then does nothing. Compassion feels for the person and then does something for them as a result. All right? Now let's flip over to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. This is all very similar stuff. This is, you know, Mark's perspective, and then we got Matthew's perspective, all of it inspired by the Holy Spirit, ultimately. But let's look at this for a second. Mark, chapter 6, verse, starting with verse 30, we see this, the apostles returned to Jesus. So Jesus had just sent the apostles out two by two to minister. All right? Cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick share the gospel of the kingdom, all right? And so now they're back. And let me tell you, doing that type of ministry is absolutely exhausting. Whenever I do, there's something about this, what I'm doing right now, that I'm not just sharing a speech like in speech class. I'm actually fighting against uh, demonic activity uh, going on in your hearts and in this region. And I'm speaking to your hearts. And there's an energy that it takes that is just like unrivaled where you feel like you have to sleep for two days just to be right in the head. All right? So these guys are coming back after doing all of this ministry. So the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Look at verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. So here's the context of the story. The disciples are exhausted. Jesus is is exhausted. Um, They need to get away and retreat for a little bit. They need to rest, which is a biblical concept, because in the kingdom, you work from rest, not for it. Okay? And we need to eat. All right? Listen, this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, we're so busy we can't even eat. We need to go eat and rest. I think so many of us, we don't know what it's like to hang out with Jesus in our leisure. Right? We, we, we know what it is to hang out with Netflix in our leisure or, or Hulu or whoever you hang out with. All right? But we don't know how it is to rest with Jesus. He's got better food and better entertainment, I guarantee, for your soul. All right? And so here Jesus is calling, calling his disciples. Look at this in verse 32 then. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. All right? Um, now oh, verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns. So Jesus has just been going. Jesus is famous for, as someone that has compassion on crowds, that heals hearts and bodies. And so people want a piece of Jesus because they're desperate, they're harassed, and they're helpless. They have no shepherd, and they want Jesus so they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So in other words, Jesus is sailing with his disciples to his secret place. <laughs> all the other people are kind of watching them from a distance and they're hoofing it <laughs> and they beat him to his spot. All right. Look at verse uh, 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Any bells ring in here? Does this sound? And he began to teach them many things. All right. So I want to I want to say this again. I want to say this for you to hear it and remember it and anchor this in your heart because uh, anybody who does ministry in the kingdom, but especially at Providence, needs to know this. But anybody who's a Jesus follower needs to know this. All right. That we don't use people to get what we want. All right. All right. That when we see people that want stuff from us, they're not an annoyance or a distraction, you see, all right? But we have to partner our hearts with Jesus because here's how, here's how Jesus sees harassed, helpless people that are just, 
that are distracting him from rest and food. Now, I, if you distract me from rest, that's one thing. Food, that's, that, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. I feel like I've got this legal, I feel like I, I've got this, you know, free pass to annihilate people that would keep me from, you know, a, a sandwich, all right? And many of us do. Like, we're like, ah, you know, it's like you can keep me from lots of things, but, you know, don't call me late for dinner, right? So, so but here, here Jesus is, he's caring for his disciples. They're exhausted. They haven't eaten yet. They've got people. They, they're actually, here's what Jesus is doing. He's like, let's get away from people for a while. We have to get away. But here come the people again. Why? They're harassed and helpless. They have no shepherd. And what Jesus does when he sees them, he does not get irritated with them. He does not get angry at them. He doesn't say, if I've told you once, I've told you twice, right? Or however the expression goes, or a thousand times, you know? So I, I, I told, we just try. He doesn't jump back in the boat and like, these lunatics, all they want is, all they want is stuff from me. That's not how Jesus acts. Jesus sees people that are ruining his plans and are, are so needy that, that are that beyond need, harassed, helpless people. And Jesus sees crowds of these people. And what happens in his heart is compassion, guys. Is compassion, guys. Do you hear this? What happens in Jesus' heart is compassion. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, a crowd of the harassed, a crowd of the needy, a crowd of the annoying. And he had compassion on them. Something happens in Jesus' heart is when he sees people that his, his sandwich moves to the side. His desire for that moves to the side. His desire for rest moves to the side. And what happens is he sees people in their moment of need and he just wants to help them. Love springs up for them. Now, were all these people blood-bought believers? I doubt it. It doesn't matter. This is, this is just people. People in general. Do you know that every person, whether you're a believer or not, you're, you have... You have equal value with every other person. No matter what you believe, no matter what lifestyle you have, if you're a human being, you're valuable because you're created in God's image and his image gives you value. And so when, see, when Jesus sees a bunch of needy, crazy people, something about crowds of image bearers in need that stirred Jesus's heart with compassion. It says, he had compassion on them. The word because is massive. So this is saying why compassion rose. He had compassion. Well, why did he have compassion? Because, well, because why? Well, here's why. Because he has compassion on them because, here's why. Here's the key, guys. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, we don't talk like that. We don't see people acting out. We don't see people sharing weird opinions. We don't see people going in, in, in weird directions, anti-kingdom, anti-Bible, anti-whatever, anti-family, anti-this, the, all, all these antis. But we don't see people going in the wrong direction and wonder, man, I wonder if they have a shepherd. I wonder if they have someone caring for them in their life. I wonder if someone's watching over them. I wonder if someone's even gives, gives a, a, a rip about what is going on on the inside of that person. 
Can you imagine like, like we, 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 we're so, we just get so annoyed, we get annoyed, we, we disagree, we disagree, we disagree. But can you imagine if we started looking at people like Jesus does and we start seeing people that we disagree with as people that are shepherdless? They're sheep. They'll walk off a cliff if the sheep in the front of them does. The, the, these, are, these are people, people are needy. They, they need guidance. They need, they need a shepherd. They need a leader. They need someone that's gonna look past their opinion and right to the place of need, right to their heart. These, these, Jesus, when he sees people that don't have people caring for them, compassion rises in his heart. I, I think I can deduce from this that Jesus wants you to be cared for. He loves it. He wants it. And when it's not happening, many times we create a narrative that says, well, I'm just not seen, I'm just not seen. And you know what? Sometimes you're not seen by people. But I can, I can tell you with certainty that you are seen by Jesus. And when he sees you, he's not frustrated, he's not irritated, he's not aggravated, he's not, lost, he's not aided in any way. He's compassionate towards you. So, Jesus goes ashore, he's tired, he's, he's heartbroken because of John the Baptist had just died. So Jesus is, is also emotionally tired, hungry, needs a sandwich. He saw a great crowd full of desperation and need. He had compassion on them, not frustration, not annoyance, not judgment, all because he cares about broken people being cared for by shepherds. And this is why Jesus uses like, uh, you know, shepherd terminology a lot. There's, we're not like a, a shepherd culture, like we're, um, you know, we're, where we all have sheep at home. You know, we have like maybe rabbits and chickens are increasingly cool, right? I really don't know if you shepherd chickens though. I don't know, you know? So, uh, but, uh, but we're, it's just, it's just sheep need a shepherd worse than any other creature. And Jesus calls us sheep and he calls, he, he calls himself the great shepherd, but he calls, listen, leaders in the church, you can be pioneers. You can be visionary, you can be apostolic, you can be prophetic, you can be evangelistic, you can be all of these things. But do you know what we have to have in the church? Shepherds. Shepherds care for people. Shepherds see people that other people miss. You have to have shepherds. Shepherds. And what moves Jesus' heart is when there are no shepherds to care for people, he says, these are like sheep without a shepherd, that's what happens in Jesus' heart. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter nine where we just read. These are like sheep without a shepherd. Like we're healing all these, all these diseases and stuff, but I, I, I don't want to stop because <laughs> the need is still here. There's no one to watch these people. Even remember a few weeks ago, we celebrated Palm Sunday and when Jesus is riding in, prophetically, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and he gets his first glimpse of Jerusalem, all right, what he does is he does, he, when he sees Jerusalem or sees the city that he knows is going to kill him, what Jesus does is cries over the city, guys. He doesn't say, you guys, here, here I am, and here you are, and you're not seeing me. Jesus doesn't use guilt and shame. He cries over people who would reject him. This is what moves the heart of Jesus, is compassion. So the motivation or the driving force, like we, we've, de we've dedicated 2023 to be a year of reaching people. 
That's why we've been so busy with some stuff. We want you guys to be inviting people over to your house, loving on them with Rice Krispies and brownies and whatever you cook best, all right? Just watching the game with them, but, just, but taking care of it. That has to be happening. But here, when we all gather, we've been doing things like, like imposter, like Easter. Do you know this, this uh, our like Holy Week and Easter weekend, we hosted more people than we ever have in the history of Providence. Do you know that? All right, like we had like 200 some people at the funeral on Friday, Good Friday. We had a huge service at the healing night in stage two right over here, the children's room on, on that Wednesday. All right, I love our Wednesday services, by the way. It's where the spicy ones come, all right. Uh, a Saturday night imposter, this place was packed. And, and Sunday, we had almost 900 people, including 200 kids, all right. So listen, you, you know what's gonna, you know, and that's good. And when God looks at those crowds, God sees people. And do you know what he's wondering? Is anyone caring for these homeboys and homegirls? That's, that's what he cares about, guys. Does anybody see them? All right, so if we're gonna be reaching people, we have, listen, we have to be ready to have compassion on the people that God would call us to reach. Reaching isn't just communicating some information and we just leave people alone to deal with it. Reaching is actually extending an arm and being present when helping them wrestle through whatever they need. They need deliverance, they need salvation. What, are they, what do you need? That is reaching. So the driving force behind reaching people as a church is compassion, the compassionate heart of, fa of the Father, the compassionate heart of Jesus. And more and more, I, the, the church needs to be known for its compassion not its frustration, opinions, and judgments of people who don't even know Jesus. I hope you're hearing this. I've already talked about the, the prodigal son in, in uh, Luke chapter 15, but I want to I remind you, even when we're talking about uh, sons and daughters in the kingdom that blow it royally and, and, and leave, when they come back, we don't teach them a lesson before we let them sit at the table. We have compassion. We run to them. We kiss them while they're down. His father Solomon felt compassion. I want to tell you this, though, that walking in compassion isn't, isn't a decision as much as it is an encounter. All right? Can you guys just pretend you don't know this one for a second? All right? Can we relearn this? It's a better way to say it. And many of us say, yeah, I know what compassion is. And you can describe it. You can show it. That's what compassion looks like. My question this morning, and here's how I'm going to wrap up, is have you ever experienced it? Have you ever been encountered with the compassionate heart of God? Because here's the thing, if, we're, if the church is called, here's what the church does. We say, we're supposed to live like this. Now go out and try really hard. Try, 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 try. Okay, you're trying. Good job. Oh, I'm exhausted. Keep trying. <laughs> no thanks. Like, like, I'd rather be anywhere than the place where you try till you're exhausted than when you failed, you just keep trying. All right? No thanks. What the church is really missing is, is coupling our theological understanding of the scriptures with the experiential knowledge that comes from encounters with the Holy Spirit. So walking in compassion isn't a decision as much as it is an encounter. Listen, you can't give compassion to the world when you haven't experienced it for yourself. How do you give away, like, you can't say, hey, here's a million dollars in Monopoly money, right? You have to be a millionaire to give a million. And you have to be someone that, that knows, that has received the compassion of God to be able to then give it away. Hello? 
So let me tell you just about my story. I am out of time, but you guys have just a few more minutes for me to give a little, a very vulnerable personal thing. And some of you are going to think I'm making this up. It just happened this week. I've got people that can vouch for me. This, this is for real. All right. So if it stretches some of us, but I'm going to be vulnerable with you. And I'm not asking for you to come up to me afterwards and say, ah, you know, speak into me. I'm not asking for that. I just want to tell you what happened to me this week. Tuesday, um, I woke up at 3.33 a.m., super heavy-hearted. So heavy-hearted, I could not sleep. And uh, I, I tried to keep sleeping, but I, I got out of bed. And I staggered downstairs, and I, I made my coffee. I've got a morning routine. I made my coffee, and uh, I sat at my desk, and I opened, uh, for, actually, I opened my Bible, but then I decided I'm not going to read the scriptures yet, because I can't, because guys, I felt so heavy, I couldn't even read the Bible, all right? Um, the, so what I did is I just grabbed my journal, and I began journaling, um, and here's what I was journaling, a lot of things, I'm not going to let you in that close, <laughs> ha, uh, but, uh, but here's, here's basically what, uh, what I said is, is I journaled, uh, God, I know you see me, I don't feel seen, that's how I ended, I know you see me. I don't feel seen. So it's, I've got the theological knowledge. I ju I, I'm just, my heart's drifted from the experiential knowledge that impacts my feelings, which are important because they're given by God. All right? God wants you to know you're seen, and he wants you to feel seen. So I said, I just don't feel seen. And so then I jumped in the, I, uh, jumped in the scriptures. After I was honest with God, I felt like something opened where I could approach the scriptures. And I've been reading through the book of Psalms, and I was in Psalm 31. And this is why it's good to have, have a plan when you're going through, right? Sometimes, because sometimes when you can't hear from God, you have, you, you have to go back to your plan, right? That's just how it works. And so I went to Psalm 30, uh, 31, and I was reading through, and then I got stuck on verse 7. And verse 7 says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. And I, and I just wanted to say, ah, blah, 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 blah. This, you're allowed to read the Bible with honesty, all right? Because now it's about, I don't know, 3.49 in the morning, and I just didn't have time just to say, oh, yeah, steadfast love, I'm up. I'm not heavy, I'm good. I, I, I didn't have time for, for, for lies, all right? I read, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. I was like, God, I don't have the... the the energy to create some feelings here of joy and steadfast lovingness. I, I just can't do it. So I kept reading. It says, because, now remember, we saw how powerful a because is. Well, because says, this is why you can do that. And this is not about to say it's because, you know, because love is a decision or because joy is a decision. It's not about to say that. Let me, let me show you what it says. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because here's why. Here's why. Because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. It's like, wow, God. I stopped right there. I spent a lot of time with that. I, I, I buried that into my heart. I didn't, I didn't make myself feel bad because I, I wasn't rejoicing. I wasn't making myself feel bad because I, I didn't feel the steadfast love of God. I buried myself into the part of this, you have seen my affliction. Remember, I just journaled, I don't feel seen. Now I say, you have seen, and I love this, you've seen my affliction because you have seen my pain, God, I can rejoice. Man, that doesn't make sense, but I kept going. Because you have, seen, because you have known the distress of my soul, 
So we're talking about affliction and distress, seeing and knowing. Here's, you know what, you know what I, I concluded theologically from this, this passage? That the key to experiencing the steadfast love of God and to uncorking my heart with joy is, a, is actually believing that I, uh, that I am seen when it hurts and I am known when it hurts. So man, I filed that right here. And then I went throughout my day and I got a call from someone who had a prophetic dream about me, all right? And they shared the dream and they were just like, bang, 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 popping me, popping me. I was like, oh man, this is getting really tough, stop. And at the very end of it, uh, I said, man, like you got me really good, that's exactly it. And before they hung up, they said, I just really feel God wants you to know that you're seen. Oh, wow. So I come, to, I come to church and we have an hour of prayer on, on Tuesday mornings. It was really great. And we go to staff meeting. I shared Psalm 31.7. And we took a time to pray in staff meeting as, as we're praying. And here's the part that I, I feel like if you didn't believe anything up to now, you're definitely not going to believe this. But Tyler Hornberger said, while we were praying, he was like, Nathan, I see three letters of fire over your head right now. R-O-I, he says. ROI is over your head in fire right now. He goes, I, I, he goes, I don't know what it means. I think it's return on investment. He goes, all, and he prayed that into me. All the things that you've invested into Providence, which I have invested a few things here and there, all right, over the past 16 years. He said, you're getting them all back, like tenfold. I was like, great. But as soon as I heard ROI, I was like, I know ROI, I know ROI. It's, that's one of the names of God. So after we're done praying, I said, man, I said, great word. Thanks for sharing that. But ROI, that's, that's one of the names of God, El Roy. Well, somebody looked up what El Roy means. Do you know what it, do you know what it means? The God who sees you. Hey. <laughs> hey, guys. So, so guys, I, I just want to tell you this. All of these things I'm telling you, if, when you get up at 3.33 in the morning, and, and you don't know how you're going to face the day. And, and when you believe that God is big enough for your honesty and your vulnerability, and when you don't try to, to manhandle your own heart, but you open your heart up to the Spirit, and you just say, God, meet me here. See me in my affliction. Know me in my distress. I really believe that that is actually the key to unlocking your heart to the compassionate love of God. Last weekend, I was in Iowa, and I took a few walks by the Mississippi River. From a distance, it looks like a lake. When you come up close, uh, close to it, it is a, it's rushing. It is ru it was like rushing. You don't want to fall in. And I was thinking about the steadfast love of God. It, it, I don't know what it looks like to you, but I do know it's steadfast. That means it's a continual flow, a rushing flow, always coming in your direction in every single space and every single time and every single place However you need it, the steadfast love of God wants to rush in your direction. I just wonder this morning, if you would be honest here, I think that with God and say, I feel like I'm unseen in my affliction. I feel like you don't know me in my distress and my pain. God, I've gone through a lot of things. I feel like you've let it happen to me. You haven't done a thing. You're all powerful. You could. We're blaming God. We're angry at God. I feel like if we would, instead of blame God, be angry at God, offer those things to God. I think what they would do is instead of turning into a wrench that keeps us from experiencing the compassionate heart of Jesus, what they'd be is they'd be like a key that opens the door to the steadfast love and joy of God. So I just wonder this morning, I'm done. I'm almost 10 minutes over. And this morning, I just feel like a few people at least need to get on your knees at your seat or come forward for prayer. This is a good time for the prayer team to come forward. And you just need to, here's what you need to do. As, 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 as nasty as it's going to be, as much as you're going to cry, as awkward as you're going to look, 
this is a morning for you guys to be honest about how you actually feel. Well, it's not how I'm supposed to feel. It doesn't matter if you do. Jesus wants to meet you there. You know that Jesus doesn't want to just save you with a ticket. That kind of Christianity doesn't, doesn't change people. God actually wants to change you with the spirit. And so I, I believe that this morning, the Holy Spirit is ministering to hearts where, where, he's saying it, where he's saying, I am big enough for your honesty. I'm big enough for your vulnerability. Do you want a wrench keeping you from everything? Or do you want a key opening your heart to the compassion of Jesus? Guys, listen, if you're interested in, in being used in your generation, you can't do it broken and bitter, all right? You can't do it with, with wrenches in your heart. Like you have to do it, you have to open your heart to the compassion of God so you can give it away, amen? Amen. So I'm just gonna pray that over you this morning and, and I just, I really feel like, like maybe somebody, uh, you just need to get alone with God. You need to kneel at your seat. I just wanna give you just permission and, and boldness right now kneel at your seat. It'll be powerful for you. And then some people, you need someone to contend for your heart. You just need someone to contend for your heart. You need to be honest with them. This team up here is like, listen, like they just want to stand with you in whatever you're going through. So, so can we just, can we stand to our feet if you're not kneeling at your seat? All right. If you're kneeling, keep kneeling. All right. But the rest of us, let's stand to our feet. Let's put our hands out in receiving posture. All right. The compassionate heart of the father wants to be known right now in this house. God wants to show his compassion to people right now. God wants to show, God wants to show his compassion to you. I'm not speaking to a crowd right now. I'm speaking to you as an individual. God wants, desires, is, is quick to show his compassion to you. That's what is in his heart for you. Receive that the compassion of God, not just, not just the kind of love that would feel bad from a distance, but the compassion of, of God that, that where he's forced to do something, not forced like he doesn't want to, but like he, he's, his heart, he's got to follow his heart and his heart's going in your direction today. God wants to show his compassion to you. I, I just pray that maybe some of us here would, would step out of a seat and come for prayer right now. Some of us would kneel at our seats just in a, well, we would actually do something to receive and we would make a step. Just do that right now. You can do it if your heart's beating fast and you know that's you, it, it, that, it is you. I'm telling you right now, you just go and do that, all right? Just come get prayer. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is giving you uh, some uh, words of knowledge for people sitting right around you. So maybe you just wanna take a quick glance if you're getting something. And maybe, maybe the compassionate heart of God is saying, is seeing people right now that don't have the capacity to come to the front and he wants to pick people out near you, all right? So just look. Just look right now and see who does God want you to go after and pray for. If you don't know what to pray, just pray compassion down on people. Turn for wrenches to pray for wrenches to turn into keys. All right. All right, God. Thanks for checking out our sermon of the week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.